0: Hey everyone, welcome to the show. You're listening to Can I? The Latchel podcast named for the acronym Continuous and Never-Ending Improvement. At Latchel, we have a deep belief that you can't get better by staying the same. And our podcast is here to give you the tools and resources you need to achieve healthy growth. As a Y Combinator-backed company, we know what it takes To have rapid, accelerated growth, and we want to pass our learnings along to you. At Latchel, we help property managers and landlords grow in scale by taking over 24-7 maintenance operations. We've developed an innovative mix of software and on-demand support to help do that. Each week, on this show, we bring on industry experts and we dive into the topics that'll help you shape your business. Welcome to the show. Let's get going. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the session. I'm Ethan Lieber, the CEO of Latchell, here along with our executive, Jen Sells, and today's guest, Jim Schantz from PMI Elevation in Denver. Uh, Earlier this week, Jen and Jim were both at Pulling Back the Curtain, uh, a property management conference in Denver. run by Mark Cunningham, who I'm sure many of you are familiar with. And uh, we're going to be talking about some of the key takeaways from that event. Um, Jen, Jim, welcome to the show.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Eva.
0: (laughs) And uh, Jen, for those who might not know, can you give a quick run through of what Pulling Back the Curtain is?
2: Yeah, so Pulling Back the Curtain is really centered around Um, industry uh, leaders pulling back, literally pulling back the curtain and letting you see the inner workings of property management based around how to grow your business. So it's a one-day conference with a second-day optional of intensive classes that you can do that are really personalized to you. And it's all centered around learning the ins and outs of property management, um, learning how to scale and grow your business. So it's a little bit different from other conferences, you're not switching rooms, you're in one room, they keep it small, they keep it 100 or less attendees. So it's really personalized and it ends with a panel that you actually get to do a Q&A with every single speaker to kind of deep dive into all of the topics. It's also different on the vendor side because at most conferences you just pay and you can go, but this one you actually have to be invited and they only invite one vendor from every category. So you're not getting competing vendors and you know they're vetted because all the speakers voted on and agreed for those vendors to be there so it's a really great intensive (laughs) i'm sure jim will tell you um day of just learning how to grow your business
0: that's awesome um i I actually haven't had the pleasure of going myself so jen uh goes on Latchell's behalf and i think you've been to two pulling yes. back the curtain events this so is the far. third
2: one so they do it on each coast so they do one in Denver and then six months later they'll do it in Atlanta so they're always going back and forth so that everyone gets an opportunity to attend
0: awesome um and Jim we want to hear about your experience too uh but maybe we can just start with like a quick intro on who you are your company kind of where you're at right now in your business
1: yeah sure no no uh, first, I want to thank you guys for being the sponsor for that contest to allow me to go. Uh, it's one of those things. I'm a, star, uh, a small startup. Uh, I've only been a uh, franchisee of PMI for about a year and three months. So when you have a big, expensive conference, it's tough for us small guys to start getting out to those. So uh, thank you, guys. Uh, but a little about me. Uh, I started my real estate investing career in Denver. Uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, so, what I did was house hacking uh, multifamilies. So, I bought a single or a, a fourplex, lived in one unit, flipped every unit as, as it became vacant, uh, and just kept moving around uh, that way. And then eventually kept that and breadcrumbed it and then did it again with a duplex. So, that's been 10 years. Denver has just doubled um, in that last 10 years. So, real estate has been awesome. So, fast forward 10 years doing a corporate career in real estate investing. I decided I wanted to do this full time. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, Property Management Inc. provided an awesome opportunity for me to kind of use rocket fuel to, to get a business going. They developed all the steps to get me to, um, you know, how to do your marketing plans everything that you can do as a startup business. Um, and then I take that. And now I'm helping other investors here in Metro Denver as well to to do real estate
2: investing. I'm curious, what made you choose PMI as the franchise over the other options that you had?
1: Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I was thinking about doing it myself. There's always that option. Mm -hmm. Um, And just knowing what your strengths are. I'm an analytical operational person, so I probably could have figured that out. But I am not branding. I wasn't sales. Um, They spent a year really teaching me the sales process of being a property manager, how to get clients, how to attract them, um, letting us focus on what we do best uh, instead of trying to be everything to everyone else. Um, And I did look at a few other uh, franchises as well, had those conversations. Um, PMI was just an awesome fit. They had a broker in my area that I work with that uh, is my employing broker now, Randall Henderson. So I'll give a shout out to him. Um, really coached all of us. He's the executive trainer. You get, uh, I did discovery day with them. Um, everyone seems to really care about us growing our business. They showed us a roadmap of where we would be one year, two years, five years from, from that meeting um, if we went with them. So it, it just was an awesome opportunity.
0: I'm kind of curious, like, are there uh, hur- hurdles you've you've hit as a startup property manager Um, let's start there. And then I'm kind of curious and digging into like how being a part of PMI has helped overcome them. But what are some of the big hurdles you've had?
1: Well, yes, there is a, as a a franchisee, there's going to be the biggest hurdle of the the upfront costs. Um, So my upfront costs are probably higher than most property managers uh, getting started. Um, But with that comes all all the training. Uh, Biggest hurdle is just, I didn't have Like going to this conference this week, I met a couple gentlemen that are probably around the same door count. I'm at 53 right now. Um, These guys were right there, 60 or 40. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hearing their stories are super similar. Um, Just getting those first doors, uh, I was pretty upside down for probably a first year uh, financially, and then I know I had to spend money in marketing. Um, it, It was easy. To spend, like an example, I'm a natural client. Um, I found it better to use you guys to do the emergency call center, uh, something I didn't have to do or worry about or even concern myself with while trying to focus on growth and sales. Um, it was just a perfect match. Some of those hurdles made it kind of difficult um, to, to really get going when you know a franchise is telling you, you got to spend 90% of your day just cold calling. Meeting realtors, networking, mm. all those things to build your business. I can't spend time working on on some of the other stuff or learning accounting systems and things that they help with. So that big, big hurdles up front.
0: That's pretty incredible growth, though, in in one year to go from zero to fifty three doors. Yeah, like we talk to a lot of property managers that you know in their first year kind of get that first batch of you know ten to twenty. And then it's figuring out how do you get beyond that. Are, are there a few things that you think like helped you get go zero to 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 more than fifty in that first you know, year?
1: I don't I don't mean it to be a complete sales pitch for for PMI. The, six months I was at uh, twelve after six months. I was going oh no the, you know you have those conversations with your wife at the year end to you year planning like. I made a huge mistake. This is this is dumb. And then right after Christmas, when it was dead, I picked up like five, like boom, boom, boom. Um, and then it was dead again. So you know that roller coaster of, of business mm. ownership. Uh, did I make the right decision? No, that was terrible. Oh, this is the greatest thing I ever. knew. May, June, July. Um, I, I will credit PMI at April or May the executives came to Denver and did a, a sales meeting with us, kind of revamping our whole sales structure, how we do it, our sales pitch, um, where we're getting our leads, how we're, we're doing all that stuff. Uh, and it's the PMI sales method. After doing that training, I was locking about 12 to 15 doors per month after that. So most of my growth was in three to four months. So I was going crazy wow. 17 hour days, uh, just trying to keep up.
0: What was the change?
1: It's hard to pin it on one thing. Um, I know I just wasn't connecting with uh, the client sitting across the table from. Uh, to me personally, it was teaching me empathy. I know you can't teach empathy, but just spend more time up front, hearing their concerns and, and connecting on that level, and then. Um, selling them on that, how you have a solution to that, and then just laying out the process of what's the next steps. It just kind of accelerated. And now I'm starting to get referrals from referrals from referrals. So it just kind of snowballs at some point.
0: Well, that's incredible. Uh, Jen, w- w- what do you think? I, I feel like it, it, it does tie to a, a principle we have at Latchel, which is customer obsession. The more obsessed you can be about the customer. Yeah, um, yeah, w- w- what are your thoughts, Jen?
2: Yeah, I mean, referrals are the lifeblood in property management, right? Like referrals are worth their weight in gold. So once you can start getting that referral funnel going, then I feel like that's one of the most amazing things you can start doing for property management.
0: Maybe we can dig into uh, some of the, the key takeaways that you may have pulled from pulling back the curtain. And maybe a good segue is to start with those sales Uh, marketing takeaways, Mm. if there were any.
1: Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go into, so there, there's a, one, there were six speakers there and they were all incredible. They gave us so much actionable content at the end of each day or the end of the day. You like, it's almost like mind blowing to, I'm looking back at my notes now two days later and I'm like, I don't even remember half that stuff. Um, but Liz Clayman, she, she works uh, in town with Grace Property Management, uh, uh, property manager here with Mark Cunningham's uh, company. Yeah. Uh, so she she came in and I think she was a sub, so. Um, yeah,
2: she, she was, was in like for Abby.
1: To, to come in um, but she, I'm just trying to read some of those, those notes, um, how to help us be visible in front of uh, the community that we're in, um, how to generate some of those lead sources, uh, being in groups like the Chamber or BNI, uh, go into your local realtor board. Uh, She kind of says, just be out there. um, Be immediately responding to your, your leads. When they come in, it's a fast paced business. You have to be the first one to call. You have to be the first one to make that solution. Um, And then I I stole it. So one of the things, uh, one of the speakers said, uh, I think it was Mark Cunningham as well. Be fast to implement, or, or something like that. That's the key leadership um, differentiator. Fast implement. So you know, Liz gave us one advice when you're talking to a tenant or, or a client. Tell me a little bit about your situation. I've used that four times in the last couple of days. They just go into their their situation. It kind of just cuts through the clutter of him hawing around on a sales pitch. They get to it, and it's like that's awesome. Um, so seen some of those tips in action already um but yeah that, so that's some of the, the the marketing pieces um setting your expectations uh, up front um kind of she said she spends 10 minutes listening to a client 10 minutes uh, telling them about the, their company um feel mm-hmm. she goes if it turns into a 40 to 50 minute conversation she knows it's not going to be a good good fit if it's a a short one and just give me your rate it's not going to be a good fit for them um so some of those things are really going to help me with my business because i'm looking at the clock as i'm I'm doing my sales calls now and i'm like okay that was a 24 minute call that's probably a good lead
0: yeah i'm curious like uh, is there something specific you're looking for when you say tell me about your situation
1: well it it Starts letting them get the, the emotion out. I don't know if she dug into it. And if she did, I didn't keep that note. Um, but for me, tell me about your situation is, I don't want to just know about two doors or two beds, one bath, you know, 400 square feet. I want to know, are you moving because of relocation? Are you scared of being a property manager? Have you been a property manager? So I start digging into those things because, you know, the ones that don't have that experience, they're uh, – you're going to hand, handle them a little more, uh, you know, kind of how to, to sales them. And then the people that have been managing for years and they're on their third manager, they know what exactly what they want. They're already asking the questions of you, so they don't, they don't come forward. So yeah, that, that situation gets them motion out. I and mean, once you can connect with that emotion, that's what I think. And it goes back to why I think some of my sales numbers have gone up. This connection mm-hmm. with that emotion.
0: That's interesting. I'm curious too on like the setting expectations side, because you, it sounds like you've had all this growth in just a few months. And I'm curious what your learnings on setting expectations have been. I think it's it's a big struggle yeah. for a lot of property managers to set the right expectations. Because if, if you do it wrong, it, it's sort of like a, an under promise or over deliver situation. Yeah. You don't want to under deliver. So are there sure. some rules you have on that?
1: Well, I I'm, I'm sure a lot of business owners uh, come into this where they do a sales pitch, they think they rocked it, and then they find out a competitor got it. In my world it's easy because I can see, you know, within a week or two weeks which companies listed that property. So I know who got it. Then I go to their website and like, what did they what do they have that I don't have? So every single one of those sales pitches, I, okay, they offer four inspections a year. So then I started offering four so I changed all of my expectations and then I realized I couldn't maintain all that. Um, I'm still a solo operator. Uh, I think I saw it in one of Brad Larson's posts through his property, uh, management mastermind group. It just, it's almost when you get to 200 properties, you know, doing four inspection a year, that's 800 and then take that down. That's three or four a day. It's, in, you can't keep that going forever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, setting expectations tough. Uh, so i do want to know what an owner expects because i have one owner that ex- literally expects me to drive by his property and check to see if the grass is green you know once a month you know that it's tough to do if, as you grow so uh, i have to you know, set the expectation of my here's my systems here here's here if you like this then you'll be a good fit And if not i, I can't really move too much on
0: that yeah actually kind of have to do some of the same it, and I, I see expectations setting a lot about being making your company scalable, that if you set any expectation for anyone and you want to please everybody, there's no way to scale and grow that business. Like if every, if, you know, if, if maybe every customer wanted you to drive by and check the grass every month, maybe you could create a process out of that and hire someone to just go check grass all day. But when it's only a few, you're better off saying, Hey, let me level with you. We don't do that. We're not going to do a drive by your property every month. Um, So, yeah, it's important to create that scalability, I think. Do you have any thoughts on that, Jen?
2: Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. We we have to do the same process as well to figure out what's scalable and what's not. And it's when you're first starting it's hard, right? Because when somebody says, "We well, drive by and check my grass," and you're your third door, you're like whatever you want. Absolutely. But then as you grow, it's like, "Oh, no, why did I make that that promise? There's no way I'm going to be able to keep doing that." So it's good to to know up front to start setting your expectations. Um, I think they talked about their set your expectations as if you're going to grow by 200 doors next month. So make sure that's where you're, where you're setting expectations in your processes.
0: Were there any changes you made Jim to the, the sales process? Uh, Well, I guess you just finished the conference, so you (laughs) may have not implemented changes yet. Any plans to, to make any adjustments?
1: there's so much to implement. So I'm literally going through my notebook. It's like 25 pages and I see stars all over the place. That is an action item for me to do. I'm trying to find the first star. Um, Oh man. and Then of course I was writing so frantically, I can't even read my own writing. Um, But yeah. Oh, one of them, Uh, I think it was Liz. Have a rent ready document. Give it to your owners. This is what rent ready is. I don't have that. And I'm like, I've had so many issues with owners moving out, not cleaning carpets, um, not cleaning ovens, like, things that I think is just normal. They're like, oh, I didn't know. So just having that is going to be, now. I don't have to spend five minutes of my sales pitch saying it. I have a document. Boom. Send it to them. Automate it. And I think that's what she said she did. Automate some of those processes as well. Have them ready.
0: That's awesome. I, mean, I think process automation is a really important piece to any business. The more you can automate, the more scalable you become. Oh yeah. What other speakers kind of piqued your interest?
1: Sure. So one that hits close to home is Brian Birdie. Uh, Brian Birdie is, is Birdie prop PMI Birdie properties down in uh, San Antonio. So he's one of my mentors that I, I get to talk to him probably twice, twice a month already. Um, but some of his stuff was just awesome. So he went through how to sustain growth, like there's growing, you can do it really quickly and then how to do it over over the long haul. Um, You know, Brian had a moment in there and and we were kind of chatting about the, during the pre um, conference where a a young uh, startup like myself asked like, where should I focus or where should I spend my time or what should I do or who should I hire? And Brian put it this way: He goes, "I am going to challenge you." And if I'm stealing Brian's like speech from his every single <laughs> conference, sorry, Brian, um, but he had a speech and he said, "For a week, go home, write down everything you do. Literally, like I talked to a client uh, four minutes, wrote an email to tenant six minutes, I drove to the property, you know, thirty-four minutes. Write it all down. At the end of the week, give everything a value. Uh, it's a is it a one." $1 sign? Is it a $4 sign? And he goes, take those $4 signs, put a big focus on it. Take everything that's a $1 sign and start thinking of how you can outsource it or hire for it or VA, whatever you need to do to get that off of your plate so you can focus on four stars or $4.
0: What uh, What's the difference between like a $1 sign to a $4 sign? <laughs>
1: So, uh, Jen, you're gonna have to help me out with this. One. He had a really funny saying. He's like, uh, "Yeah, the sign is literally like signing the contract. Mm-hmm. You are getting wet ink on the paper. That is four dollars. You just earn. And then, uh, what was it?
2: <laughs> one, talking to any tenant about anything ever." Ever. It's $1. $1. Gotcha.
0: So, this so, is like kind of the value you're bringing to your yeah. business. Like, is it adding yeah. money into obviously talking to tenants? The tenants aren't going to sign up to, yeah. to, to, you know, rent or manage their properties. Either they're the tenants, obviously.
1: In, you know, I think that uh, applies to a business at any level. Like, I'm a startup in your business in um, a property manager that's a thousand knowing what your value or where you should spend your time is huge to to growth
0: yeah. are there like other things that uh, either you feel or maybe brian mentioned that are those one dollar or the yeah single dollar sign activities
1: you know one it wasn't um brian but brad larson brought it up several times and he encouraged me because i asked you know who what's your first hire who should you consider bringing on your team first uh, for him it was accounting support uh, he said you're a money manager you are managing large sums of money more than just about any other business uh, have great accounting systems accounting support if you need to outsource that uh, get that you know get that right up front mm-hmm. um, that was one of his key takeaways uh, I'm trying to think of other things that Brian said. anytime you're driving in a car you know to, to do yeah. something yeah for me it's showings or like something where I'm literally opening a door, someone walks in and, and there's no value add there. Um, so those kind of things. Um, yeah. I, I don't know.
0: Well, that makes sense. I mean, I think that's why there's all these companies trying to do things like self showings. It's yeah, low value for you to spend a half an hour there, half an hour driving back to the office, plus 30 minutes, you know, showing a place when you can, Throw a lockbox on there. Have a self showing scheduled. Yeah. You know, so long as the lockbox works and you don't have anything in the property that can be stolen. But
1: yes, like he, to anything, a call from a tenant ever. Like you just think about that. That could be maintenance calls. That could be showing setups. That could be is it still available? The prospective tenant. Like any time that you're dealing with those things that take you away from a strategic mission of your company.
0: I'm curious for PMI elevation specifically. What are the things you are already taking? You've already taken off your plate.
1: Sure, sure. You know when I set up my business, and I thought I did this in an intelligent and strategic way. I was a solo person, but I always had the ideas of grandeur to be a bigger company than what it was. Um, There, I could hire employees, but I took the route of using, um, you know, contract or um, outsourced. Uh, vendors in the space that are awesome. So I'm, I'm a tenant turner client. Um, so they do all all my, you know, showing for so long, I didn't pay the $15 to have a little messaging system, uh, to have tenants, you know, just text you. And then I saw like 300 texts, all these tenant uh, prospects are they're texting. Um, so then I do, um, I am a lateral client. So I use the 24 seven emergency call center services. Um, that is huge i use that in my marketing campaign and almost every single sales call that someone will be answering the phone uh, or available 24 7 no matter what they'll dispatch a contractor Um, that has helped as well because you guys have done that that groundwork for me to who those might be uh, during those you know emergency situations because honestly Mm -hmm. uh, that's the funny thing is when i was a property manager uh, just a real estate investor by myself I was getting more calls than I am now as a property management owner that, you know, with 53 properties. Now all the calls go to someone else. So That's incredible. Uh, trying to think of who else. Uh, obviously, being a franchisee of, of PMI, uh, they do my accounting for me. Uh, so I, I use what they call PMI books. So they have accounting resources there. And they're, they're doing my marketing, uh, branding, everything on that side of it, which is the amazing part. Their team is awesome. Uh, so I'm not creative. I, I definitely don't. I'm not artsy. That. So I, I rely on them. Uh, we use PMW for our websites. Uh, so I, they do our, our Google marketing campaigns, stuff like that. So I am outsourcing a ton of stuff, uh, of uh, the operations of the business, uh, even when I was smaller. Uh, so that's why I was probably so so deep in the, the red uh, at the start of the business. But I knew I wanted to set up those systems to to allow for scalable growth.
0: So, where is most of your time focused now?
1: Well, I still try. My goal now is still having 50% in front of clients. Uh, it's either trying to follow up on leads, networking, I do BI. Uh, so, those kind of things, I'm trying to still stay ahead with, with realtor events, uh, anywhere where I can stay ahead of, of the marketing piece of it. Um, and then yeah, it's long days. I am still doing a lot of my showings. I just did bring in a showing um, assistant to help me with some of those showings. Mm. Uh, that, that's kind of cool because she's awesome and I've worked with her for years. So uh, that helps when you can trust somebody to to take care of uh, all the showings. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, good question. I need to do Brian Birdie's uh, right. Hey, oh, you, you have an
0: action item for yourself.
1: Chart it out. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know no I'm busy, business. I don't know what it's doing though. It's
2: half the time, yeah. <laughs> I think that was the overall message from everyone was you can't be good at everything. So don't try to be good at everything. Because um, your ultimate goal is to be able What did what did he say? Sit back and just count the money, right? That's everyone's ultimate goal in any business <laughs> is to outsource mm-hmm. and have processes and systems in place to where you just get to be that executive decision maker. So...
0: So we talked about Brian and Liz. Were there any other speakers that stood out to you with some key takeaways?
1: Yeah. So the whole reason I probably even know about pulling back the curtain is because I listened to Brad Larson's podcast. So um, kind of when I get finally got to meet him, it was, it was pretty cool because um, you feel like you know someone on a podcast. Like your your listeners probably feel like they know you because my story. I met him in the, the food line and I know he's doing a keto thing or a keto challenge. And I'm just like watching him sitting there, looking at all the food going. I deciding what's going to be best know, for what, keto. What can I eat? What can I not eat? Um, but he had some great stuff. Like So his session was on um, he, he, there's 40 different things you can call it, but fee optimization, how to maximize mm. the revenue per door for the doors you have or the doors you want to get. And there was a lot of stuff and a lot of, uh, conversation and questions back and forth with the audience on some of his programs. Like he threw a ton out, like he was trying to pack two hours into an hour you know, he was flying through this stuff. Hmm. So my notes are sloppy because he was talking so fast. So, um, but he, were there one
0: or two things that kind of stood out to you on like the, the, the revenue optimization? Well,
1: yeah. It, and he said in his business, uh if you look at an industry average, something of for every door or for every dollar of management, um the average property manager is making, I think is like a dollar twenty-five or something, how do you put it? Um it's like twenty-five percent of every dollar is ancillary fees, the the leasing fees, the extras. And in his business, he's got it up to about a dollar fifty per dollar uh, of management is ancillary, or 50 cents of every dollar is the extras.
0: Oh, interesting. The
1: additional fees, the add-ons, the, the things like that. And so you go huh. through some of those programs that he uh, personally implemented. Some of them were super recent, so you really didn't know how they you know, stand the test of time, but uh, a lot of those programs and, and going down a list of things that he had
0: anything that you're not doing that you're going to implement
1: well he did challenge us on one and what do you he uh a 1099 preparation fee he's like it's so simple and he's just like do that at the end of the year Uh, you have to do it with all your owners anyway you have to verify this thing through uh, other site it's costing you money now turn it into a profit center it's something that they're all expect and he goes, some of those things, you just don't get any pushback. You think you're going to get pushback on, on these fees and you don't because they just expect it to, it's a part of managing their property for them.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Um, and I'm, I'm asking from Latchell's perspective as a maintenance provider, but I, I hear a lot of our customers doing uh, ancillary fees on maintenance. Curious, are you doing any ancillary fees on maintenance right now? And if not... Do you have any plans to implement any type of ancillary fees there?
1: Sure, so uh, I've got different answers. PMI wants me to, uh, as part of our our sales program, they encourage that we should be doing something for for a markup. Brian Birdie kind of tells us, your management fee is something you do every month. It's the, the same thing, that's what your management, anything you do above and beyond, you go above and beyond, that should be paid uh, separately, and maintenance is one of them. If you, mm. your toilet doesn't run or, or break every month, it's not a part of your rent. Now, I found, and it is probably industry or market specific. Um, it was a selling differentiator for me because I think a lot of people are doing maintenance markups. Um, I started just including it um, in in my normal uh, pricing structure of saying no markups. Gotcha. I don't, I don't think that's going to last forever. Uh, especially as I have to have a, a maintenance coordinator or, or, you know, work with a, a firm like yours to do maintenance coordination. Um, that's when I'll start, once it's starting to cost me a lot more, because it's just me, it's, it's, you know, however long it takes me. Uh, once yeah, at that, some
0: point you'll that, scale enough where it's significant you <laughs> have to hire someone, right? Yeah, to offset that. Well, or, or you yeah. upgrade your lateral service, one of the two. Yeah, Either way exactly though, you're spending more money. So the question becomes, well, how do you, make that money back. Yeah. Um, did, did Brad Larson say one way or another uh, on the maintenance side of how to cover costs there was his advice to do like a a markup or did he have some other method?
1: His company does uh, a markup.
0: Markup. Okay. Yeah. That seems to be like the most traditional kind of method. Um, I see 10% as sort of like a, a normal average kind of markup from our customers yeah. that do markups. It's usually around 10%. Yeah. And that seems yeah. to cover any coordination costs and things like that.
1: I, so, so I'm looking at my notes here. He had some maintenance oversight cost, um, a home warranty fee. Like if you have to deal with a home warranty company, because you have to in your business as well, I'm sure.
0: Uh, we, so we actually didn't do it for the longest time. We were like, no, we're not working with home warranties. We don't coordinate those. Like we send that back to you. We just started running a beta program. Mm-hmm.
1: On mm-hmm. We don't have all the
0: results. And yet um, it seems to be promising, yeah. but home warranties are a disaster. I know so many companies that just say, I won't take your property if you have a warranty on it.
1: Yeah. Well, I just it, won't take it like customer. Brad wasn't fighting it, but he says, charge him a fee. He goes, every time you have to deal with a home warranty, every work order, every call fee. Boom. Uh, so things like that. Those, yeah, those Fee fees that he had in his his program.
0: Maybe Latchel should do that too. Allow anyone oh. to submit for a home warranty, but <laughs> we charge a fee.
1: And, and it's, it's a time suck. I haven't had to do it because I've kind of, Every single person that had it, I've been successful in coaching them away from it um, because 90%, I, 85, 90% of my clients are single family homeowners leaving that property don't really invest. They're not doing it for the investment. That's who I'm kind of finding in my market. Uh, and they had the home warranty program and they loved it as a, a homeowner because it's cheap, but tenants hate it because it takes too long. Uh, so that, that's kind of what's happened. Um, I just steer them away from it saying, you have me, I coordinate way faster than, than they will. So you don't need them. Uh,
0: so before uh, becoming an account executive at Latchell, Jen was actually uh, an operator Uh-oh. in our operations, like assisting all the coordination effort. And I think uh, when we decided, you know, we won't do home warranties anymore. This was before we reopened it with a beta program. I think that was, Maybe one of the most exciting things we ever told Jen. That we won't. We won't have you to do home warranties anymore.
2: Yeah, I, I think it was noon, her. and I was opening champagne. I was like, "Yes."
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to say she worked for a home warranty company. No, you
2: know? <laughs>
0: no. Jen's background is actually more on the um, large multifamily okay. side of things.
2: Yeah, and commercial.
1: Fantastic.
0: So, uh, so any other speakers that stood out to you
1: so uh, obviously uh, because i'm in the denver market and i'm in narpam i get to hear mark cunningham on a regular basis so uh, mm. his stuff was awesome he it's for my future growth was what he was talking about talking about employees and staff and, and how to treat your team and how to work with your team and how to build that um, i don't have anyone here so it's kind of like just hypothetical and, and note-taking and Mm-hmm. how to get those first hires. And I, I think yeah, he's the one I asked you know, the first hires like because he had that, that topic. Um, but he, he's a systems process guy. And I can have totally appreciate that about him because I love that stuff as well. Um, but this process manual. So when he did his uh, day two session where he really dug in, I think he was going over some of those process system manuals and uh, programs that he has, employee roles and, and things like that.
0: Can you tell us about what day two was like I, day one? I get that you, you listen to the speakers, you have that yeah. kind of round table. Can you tell us a little about, a little bit about day two?
1: So I did, I didn't personally go to day two. Okay. Um, uh, okay. so I, I didn't, um, uh, do that part of it, but it sounded like, cause every speaker during their presentation was digging into, Hey, here's what I'm presenting in day two, mm. uh, so like, I know
0: you got kind to- of the, the teaser.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I knew what I was missing out on while missing out on it and getting back to the, to the day-to-day business.
0: Um, we have so much now to implement anyway. Yeah, we're He's spending
1: Implementation. Right. Uh, so I already, I already have my stuff, but like Brian Birdie, he he came out with 15 guarantees. Take, take your business. Um, all those things that you already do, make it a guarantee, guarantee it to your client. And then he was going through how to do that or, or, what programs or how we, the verbiage behind each of those guarantees and how to put that into your business. And I'm sure it went way deeper, but uh, yeah, in an hour and a half in a 10 person room, when you get, you know, six yeah. of businesses that have a thousand doors that you don't get that every day. So that's I know
2: all. Dave's for uh, PMW, The they actually, if you signed up for his class, he actually went to your website and did a full critique. And then in his class, everybody got to go through, the critique so you were getting i was like wow that's amazing <laughs> they were getting such someone was trying to sign up for it the day before and he was like no i have to. <laughs> there's a deep dive that we do and so um yeah they just they really do those class it's only i think it's like 10 to 15 people that they limit it to and yeah, it's really it. like a 2 hour or hour and a half where they really go deep into that subject so um, I know one of the speakers talked about social media marketing, right, and uh, Google Analytics. I thought that was really interesting because the way the the industry shifted in the last 10 years, where if you're not on top of that, you can get buried. I know some people were checking theirs after and realizing that they weren't even registering and they were like, oh, this is a problem. Mm. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? I know that they that was something that they brought up and, and did a presentation on.
1: Well, I, I'm not sure about the social media side. Do you, Who was the speaker on that? Because I know Dave Borden talked about Google um, Analytics and having that on top of your your website is a must to, to show up on Google. Um, he also dug into one that I thought was awesome. Um, it was essentially, he called it like Google Hot Mapping. So he took an ad at the top of the page and he said, okay, so you show up here, you're the ad on top. You're the paid spot. of the people are going to click you. Um, The next one, it drops off huge. It was like only 3% of the second that gets clicked. And then he kind of went into that map and he's, you know, how you show up there, um, you know, mostly proximity based, but Mm -hmm. then the first organic spot was a 27.9% like click through rate. And it was just like, how to get there to really accelerate your marketing um, so that was that was really interesting because, uh, in obviously, he went in deeper how to accomplish some of those goals and and get higher rankings and stuff through through your website and, and different programs. But uh, yeah.
0: do you plan on taking any kind of steps anytime soon to improve your organic listings in Google?
1: So the the organic, I'm already working with PMW, um, and so. And I don't want to put words in someone's mouth. It was a different speaker. There's so much information. I don't know where, which source it came from, Mm. Um, but content, it's just all about the content that you're going to be producing um, to drive that. And uh, sorry if it's making a bunch of noise, but I know Dave was the first speaker. So it is the furthest one from my memory um, and what he, he did. He said create the answers to the issues that someone might be looking in your local search um, so people find you so one example is who's the best property manager in whatever uh, instead of that it's going to be tough for a smaller company like me to rank against the big guys on a search item for that but if it was how do you evict someone in douglas county or specifically a small city where I, i'm 30 minutes outside of denver he was, you could be the answer. And once you show up as the answer, you're there. That's, you'll get a ton of people coming, even if they don't know anything about you as a property management company. And if they realize they ask the same questions as a solo, um, you know, uh, landlord, and they keep seeing your name up there, they're like, maybe I should just call them or work with them, you know, something like that. So that was one of his suggestions, be the answer to a question locally.
0: Yeah, I think it's the smartest way to do it in terms of when you're talking about SEO. Am I ranking organically for the the things people are going to look for that might end up looking for property management? It is You you can get so hyper-local and hyper-targeted where you're going to own thousands of views because you're so specialized on just that surrounding area that you're in. I think one of the things that we found really important with Latchell when we do content is that you don't want to look at this stuff as transactional. It's not, you don't look at it as, okay, I'm going to write this post. Someone's going to visit the post and then they should uh, sign up to talk to me. (laughs) They should book an appointment with me. Like the world isn't so transactional as that, that really what you want to look for is content will bring property investors in my county onto my site. And then you kind of need to, to link it to that next step, which is now how do I keep them looking at me? And the answer could be, you know, a nice e-guide that they sign up for on your site. And you, now you have their email and maybe you have their phone number now. Maybe they're not looking for property management when they went to your site because they were looking at what's the best way to evict. But at least now, you know, cool, I have this property investor's information. Maybe I'll give them a call the next day. Say hey, I saw you dropped on my site. Just wanted to introduce myself, or maybe you create like that email drip campaign. I'm I'm curious if you have any of these sort of uh, like cyclical marketing tools built yet, or if you're you're really more focused on the the networking side for now.
1: You know, some of the because the website's designed by PMW. um, uh, With PMI, we have a a program. our, Our CRM is called Active Campaign. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're trying to collect stuff from our website visitors uh, to then actively retarget them through the active campaign, mm-hmm. um, hit them up uh, with regular rotation uh, of emails, monthly newsletters, whatever we can, uh, but I, it's tough because I... I'm coming out of, you know, the last winter was when I got to really build a lot of my marketing campaigns. And then April, May, June, I've been slammed. So I'm looking forward to having time. To look Ooh,
0: from at growth that. though, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, so it's, it's good, a good slam, yeah. Um,
1: but that's where I'm going to start working on some of those um, posts. Then I can just release the rest of the year or, or retargeted campaigns, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I will say too. I think when when we talk about these traction channels, and we talk about where do you grow—is it from networking? Is it from word of mouth? Is it from you know people coming into the site and signing up to talk to you? Yeah. That if you can just get one traction channel working, you're going to be better off than 95% of businesses out there. If you can just get one thing working, even if it's networking even if it's word of mouth referrals, you only need one thing to build a successful business. And then when you have the bandwidth, you can get a second one and now you're you know, super successful, yeah. but you only need the one. And it sounds like you've really built an amazing traction channel in the networking you've done. Is that where most of your yeah, sales come in?
1: It's, it's what uh, what they call the the low low cost high high time. Um, mm-hmm. When you're starting up, that's what you have low you know not a lot of overhead or uh, you know, deep deep pockets there to to spend on some of those marketing channels. Yeah, I'm still spending a ton on marketing channels, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, the the BNI's been good, and then starting to get the clients and wowing them with the service level. I'm starting to get their their referrals, their friends that are are deciding to rent. Um, or have. So that's kind of cool because it, it's not taking it from another property manager, it's someone who wasn't in the rental game. And now you're helping them.
0: Make are you do, you? do you do anything to cultivate those word of mouth referrals or are they just kind of coming in naturally?
1: Uh, no, I, I don't. Um, I don't market it, but I, I thank my clients by giving them a free month of management. But I, I should market that. Uh, well, a said.
0: free month of management is huge. I thought you were going to say, huge? like, I give them a bottle of champagne. I know.
1: I was
2: like, oh, you give them a book? Wait.
1: They <laughs> keep giving me a client because if you think of um, what you're paying for, like, a Google channel to get a close client. So we track that through Active Campaign. I can tell mm. how many I've closed through each channel. Like, my one month of management is the, the cheapest marketing channel I have for paid. So I kind of you know I'm paying realtors more than that for referrals uh, if they bring a client. Um, so yeah, it, it is tough. Um, that's why I like the BNI as it's, it's a free referral, but uh, yeah, yeah you know, that I pay for. But um, yeah, it, I'm trying to think of different ways I cultivate it. Probably not just just wowing them with service.
0: That's all. I I'll, I 100% am on board with you. Yeah. Telling your customers they'll get a free month for a referral, um, I yeah, think you'll you'll get a lot from give
1: them that money uh, because you know we're being an agent and all that. So uh, just trying to figure out different ways, and that's one of them.
0: There's um, I, I've worked. We we don't do heavy referral based marketing at, at Latchel. At previous companies that I've worked for before starting Latchel, referrals was a huge part of the business. And a lot of the way we talked about referrals was people don't refer you just because you're offering money. Maybe it's like the extra incentive, but people refer you because they want to spread the love Yeah, and you need to create that kind of culture of love with your customers, primarily loving your service. But then they're going to want to share that. And you kind of cultivate it by saying, share the love, spread the love, like, you know, bring more people into this awesome, you know, community we're building. Um, but it all starts with amazing service. Are there yeah. certain things you do to con- continuously improve on your service? Like any ways to track where you need improvement or any specific things you target on improving?
1: No. At this point, it's, I don't, and, and I hear, you know, offices or other managers, big companies with the EOS systems or, the, you know, trash mm. I, I want to get there, um, me. So I, I don't really have to tap the pulse of, do you have an angry? How many angry owners you have? I know when they're angry, uh, but I don't put a number on it. Uh, that's one of those things. As I grow, especially with employees or, or trying to see how some of my, you know, contractors. Or um, outsourced you know, vendor partners are doing in in some of those uh, service-related touch points with our, our clients, or owners, or tenants. I'm and sure I'm, at
0: fifty-two, like it's it's still small enough you can track it in your head.
1: Yeah, and, and that's where I'm at. I, I know I know the anger, you know the Velcro. Yeah, I, 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 I yeah. The one guy who loves me over here for you know I don't have to do that much to impress him, and I got the other guy working my my butt off. And I can't, you know, there's no getting him over the hump. So,
0: And that's the crazy thing too. The ones that you work your butt off for tend to be the ones on the other side of the hump that don't appreciate or like, it's, it comes back to the setting expectations, right?
1: Yeah. A lot of times
0: it was just wrong expectations maybe.
1: I don't know. I think it was Brian Birdie. Uh, he said one of the great things, he had a, a employees and, and at the end of the year, he gave them the opportunity to say, if you could fire a client, who would it be? Um, and it oh. just, I i had my first, I fired my first client yesterday and it's so, I feel great today uh, <laughs> because it's such a relief. It's somebody who, even as I sat in pulling back the curtain, making myself better, was just blasting me all day on my phone because of, you know, some little tiny issue. Like my grass wasn't green enough, like silliness. Um, so that is so huge. Uh, I lost where I was going with that because I got four of losing the client. <laughs> uh,
0: well, you've I, created I, bandwidth for yourself. You'll yeah. you'll replace that one bad one with three good ones.
1: And that's what happened and during the same day. Yesterday I got pulling back to curtain using, you know, the, the Liz's little, uh, how, how's your situation? Like I've had four sales pitches and two, you know, I'm closing two deals tomorrow. So it's like lost one, pulling into more. So I can be happier you know, about that. It put my energy where, where I'm going to be successful going forward. Oh, sorry. So
0: Get, got a new, new customer calling. You. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, um, are there any other, uh, things as we wrap up here that you would tell any other startup property managers listening that they absolutely should implement?
1: Sure, sir. So uh, there was one property manager that uh, the, the Brian had that question of when he said the dollar. Um, I got to sit at lunch with him. And so we we're kind of, you know, gravitate. You just find the people that are similar levels and you kind of start passing different things. Um, I was telling him about different sales leads. Uh, he wasn't using Thumbtack to, to find clients. And some people might knock on that because it's a paid source of finding but when you don't have referrals coming in and he was, I think smaller than I was at that point, where he just didn't have the referrals coming in, you need some of those sources to kind of jumpstart it. You have to have clients to, to get them to refer you. Um, so things like that. And he didn't know what BNI was. He was like, what were they talking about BNI in that last presentation? I think Brian was encouraging people to go to BNI. Uh, it's just networking. It's starting to build your business. Uh, Because when you sit in an organization like that, you learn sales techniques, you get a 30 Mm -hmm. second elevator pitch, you get to how to quickly explain what you do or how, how you do something better than another property manager, Um, how you differentiate yourself just got to be different. Um, So that was a a cool takeaway from another, another manager, uh, or working with them and how it could be better.
0: Well, for any listeners, if you're not going to be an I go do it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. And, and I've been, and I renewed, so uh, it's awesome. I can equate at least six closed deals from BNI in the first year. Uh, and if you're new, uh, it's a great place to pick up contractors that you can trust. Cause I know every Wednesday I'm going to sit across from the plumber or the HVAC person that just did a job for me. I know that job's done right. And, and then, you know, hook me up with a little special
2: pricing too. So.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, Jen, yeah. did you have any key takeaways that you wanted to share with everyone?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the, we were just kind of talking about it, one of the things about going to these conferences or to these events, that's amazing is the networking that you get to do with just other property managers. So you're not, you know, there were people from all over, I thought it was really going to be West Coast centric, but it wasn't. There are people from Atlanta, from Maryland, from um, South Carolina. So you're getting this nice demographic shift of who's going to be there. Um, and just hearing everybody's you know, stories where they're at. Um, they did, at this event, they do a really good job of giving you laid back face-to-face time with other property managers and vendors so that you have time. And the speakers are very accessible. So you have time, a lot of one-on-one time to talk with them as well and kind of pick their brains on things. But um, for Jim, I'm just, what do you, I mean, this is, you said this is your third kind of conference that you've been to, do you recommend property managers, especially ones that are just starting out to start going to their NARPM events, going to events like this? Um, do you think it's worth it?
1: Yeah, so PMI does a PMI summit. So all, mm-hmm. all the franchisees get together every year. And Brian Birdie was the the former past president of NARPM So right. our, you know, the summits to me looked a lot like one of the NARPM events. And so I went to Colorado. So there's vendors there. But this pulling back the curtain, you did get access to uh, vendors. Usually you're in, sitting in line, trying to, to wait to, to meet with somebody. This side is so accessible where I got to go dig deep, 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 like one of them, Logan uh, Breen with Virtually Incredible. Like mm-hmm. it was great to talk to and get in a deeper level of how it could help me with marketing my properties or how the SEO actually works with his videos. Like things like that, I didn't get at those other conferences. Um, and then the accessibility to the speakers was was huge just a bunch of those people i i feel like i know them because i listen to them on podcasts like this uh hear them speak for hours and hours but i never get to personally meet them and now i do I, you know, get that introduction um, and then just meeting other property managers at the same level or even just a few hundred doors ahead of you there's a, a gentleman from north carolina Brian, that i met like he gave me so many actionable things that weren't in a conference presentation. It was literally just an aside and he was telling me how he, do, or how he does his showings and how he works with tenant Turner and how he's made a fundamental shift on when uh, he does listings uh, instead of doing them while the tenants are occupying. Just It was just stuff that was mind-blowing that I wouldn't have got if I sat here at my desk in my office and just did another day.
0: In the effort of just like getting out there learning from colleagues if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you jim and and oh, hear yeah. from you on things how could someone get in touch with you or learn more about you uh
1: so obviously uh we're gonna have a website we uh so pmi elevation uh is my website that will direct you to me or you can hit me up on email jim at pmi elevation and i'm also on linkedin and facebook and all those uh, as well so
0: Awesome. Well, for everyone tuning in, go talk to Jim, Jim at PMI Check out his website, PMIelevation.com, um, to learn more. Jim, thanks so much for joining Jen. Thanks for uh, being here too. Um, and for everyone listening, if you're interested in learning more about Latchell's service, go to com. click the book, a demo button. We'd love to talk to you. And next week, we're going to be talking with Robert from Thinret, a tenant screening software. So make sure you join for that next week. Jim, have an awesome day. Good luck implementing all the learnings you've taken from pulling back the curtain.
1: Yeah, thank you guys so much for giving me the opportunity to go and uh, be your guest. Thanks. (laughs) It
0: was our pleasure. See ya. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date. Hit that subscribe button. Give us some love. Maybe give us a five-star review, too, if you like what you're hearing. And I have an ask for you. I'd like you to go to Latchell.com and click the Book a Demo button to schedule time to talk with us. We want to hear about your business, how you've been, how you're growing, how maintenance is going at your company. Maybe we can work together. Maybe not but you won't know unless you talk to us. So go to latchel.com, click the book a demo button. I'm looking forward to talking to you. I know the rest of our team here is. So go do that as soon as you can. Thanks, everyone. See you back next week.